Hi, everyone. Welcome to Just Mental Health with Stefan M., the podcast where we discuss mental health issues from a social justice lens. I'm Emily. And I'm Stephanie. A quick disclaimer before we get started. We are mental health professionals, but this is not to be taken as professional advice. We are also aware that our privilege may cloud our perspective on some topics, and we not only welcome, but encourage you to message us with criticism and corrections. Let's get started. So our small business of the week, it's called Fool of Sorts. It's owned by a friend of mine, actually, Arik Mendelovitz. Um, So it is Renaissance Fencing Classes all over the country over Zoom. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, $15 for an hour and a half class and they have a Facebook page. Just look up full of swords. So full as in like F U L L fool F O O L. Ah, Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's have a cool, unique business. That's cool. And they do it over zoom. Uh huh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like regardless of pandemics or not they do it over zoom they do all all over the country oh wow okay cool yeah awesome yeah everybody check them the out. country meaning the united states since we are uh just saw that we're reaching europe now yeah hey, europe if any of you are listening <laughs> thanks for tuning in yeah right quick shout out to our listeners in germany ireland and slovakia mm-hmm. whoever you are um and if you want to reach out to us you can always um, contact us on our Instagram, just underscore mental underscore health underscore podcast, and talk to us there and let us know that you're listening. But it's really cool that we're reaching people that that far out in yeah. the world. So, all right. So um, today our topic is about mental health advice, but about how sometimes mental health advice can be classes. Mm-hmm. So um, to start with, I'll just give a definition of classism so that we're all, you know, working from the same understanding and nobody's making any assumptions about, you know, what we're talking about. Um, so classism is defined as prejudice against or in favor of people belonging to a particular social class. So mental health advice being classes um where to start because there's a lot there's a lot and it's unfortunate and I feel like this topic could go in a bunch of different ways right I was thinking that too when I was (sighs) trying to get my thoughts together about it like where to even start Mm -hmm. um I think an important distinction that I wanted to make sure was made at some point um, at some point through this episode was the connection between socioeconomic status and race Mm -hmm. and how classism is kind of a form of racism in, you know, depending Mm -hmm. on how you're looking at it, um, which I think it can be an episode in itself. Yeah. Um, Just wanted to point that out that, you know, people of color are particularly affected by, by classism. Right. By both classism and racism. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, yeah. And, and classism is, you know, it's hard to um, really talk about like what the social classes are in the United States only because it's not as far as I could find and I didn't do an extensive search, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not really formally um, identified in any way. Typically, the the jargon that we talk about when we talk about economic or social class in the United States is um, like upper class, um, mi- upper middle class, which is, mm-hmm. and then middle class working and lower class. And that's from like highest to lowest socioeconomic. So typically people like divide them up into five. Um, Right. And 
the highest class being like just wanting to point out the the distinction between you know the the wealth inequality is Mm -hmm. astronomical you know so the the highest um socioeconomic status is like billionaires and million you know like Mm -hmm. it's a huge difference um which is which is another issue Um, yeah just pointing out how prominent it is you know how how much of an issue this is and how classism is a real thing um right and so i think just to to simplify things for this podcast when we say upper class we mean both the upper and the upper middle mm-hmm. um because they're they're tip, they're going to have the same access to these things that we talk about essentially um and then we'll talk about middle class which of course is like right in the middle and then working and lower class um will be both when we talk about like lower um those will kind of be lumped together because those will be the two classes in this model that will have the most um barriers to either receiving services or to just doing some of this mental health advice that we're going to talk about. So that's just kind of to set up a distinction. Um, So what I'll start, if you don't mind, Um, I did like a, a little search on Instagram of some mental health tips. And I did Instagram because well, most, most people are using that now. Um, and there's a lot of like that feel good, like positive psychology, mm-hmm. uh, and mental health and just physical health advice on Instagram. Some of which is really good. Mm-hmm. Some of which is misinformed and not, not as good. And a lot of which can be classist. So, um, when you when you do a search for like mental health, I'll just do that. Um, Are you pulling it up now? Yeah, with for tags, um, just on my phone. So, mm-hmm. so it you get a bunch of stuff about like you know people talking about their mental health, positive thinking. Um, and then you start to get into the stuff that's like, you know, tips for having, you know, good mental health. And it's like a lot of them talk about exercise, Mm. um, which, so we'll just start there. Exercise is definitely a good thing. It's good for your physical health. It's good for your mental health. Um, We know that people that move their body in in any way that they enjoy, um, you know, for a a certain amount of time a a day, I think it's like 15 to 30 minutes a day, Mm -hmm. um, just have a, have overall better mental health. And it, it can work almost as well as a low dose antidepressant for just increasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have mood. heard that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it's good to do. I mean, it's just something that everyone should do if you can. Whatever movement, exercise that gets your body going that you enjoy, mm-hmm. it's not about, you know, not about like weight loss or looking a certain way, but it's just about movement getting the heart rate up getting in tune with your body right. and getting those you're, you're going to get physical health benefits from it and you're going to get mental health benefits from it and so i think that um the what you said physical activity that you enjoy mm-hmm. is a pretty like a piece of it that is kind of kind of starts to point to the classism because mm-hmm. 
I mean, okay. What is something that you can do for exercise that you don't need to, you know, okay. Like paying for a gym. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe you can't afford a gym. So maybe you go run outside or maybe mm-hmm. you just do workouts in your in living your home. room. Yeah. Home workouts. Um, and that's fine. And that's, you know, that, that works, but a lot of people really hate running. <laughs> a lot of people I do. don't, you know, don't enjoy working out at home. You know, they like the gym atmosphere. They like the mm-hmm. supportive atmosphere of, you know, an exercise class or something. And so that's why all of these exercise classes, you know, are popping up like mm-hmm. yoga and like kickboxing, Zumba, um, or and then all these like gym communities like CrossFit and Orange mm-hmm. Theory which are all really great. And it's really great that all of these different um, varieties of exercise is, is um, you know, I feel like these things are just getting more and more popular, different mm-hmm. variety, varieties of, of types of exercise, which is great, but they're also expensive. And so that yes. piece of finding something you enjoy, but the stuff that tends to be more fun, that has that community aspect, that maybe has like some sort of, Fun. structured to yeah. like someone guiding you so yeah you know and someone what to keeping do. you accountable too mm-hmm. like it is it's hard to be to work out on your own and hold yourself accountable mm-hmm. mention that people in a lower socioeconomic status are probably working a lot you know yes like working like three jobs and don't have mm-hmm. time for exercise yeah, that was the other that was the other thing I was going to say, not just because it's like expensive to have a gym membership or to go to these classes or whatever. Um, but also the time that is involved in them. And it's not just and this is something that I personally have struggled with. So I might be speaking a little bit from my soapbox, but mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, an hour a week to take this Zumba class. No, it is the drive time there. Mm-hmm. the prep, you know, getting ready. What If you're getting off work, you've got to change. Maybe you've got to eat. You've got to get your stuff. You've got to go to the gym. You do the class. Then you have to get ready after, you know, whether it's showering or changing your clothes or whatever. And then the drive time home, or mm-hmm. if you're doing it before you go to work, you're waking up early to do all of these things. You have to be extra prepared so that you can leave from the class to go to work, you know? And so it's not just, it's just not as simple as like, oh, it's an hour a week. There's Mm -hmm. all the prep before, all the recovery afterwards that you have to plan your schedule around if you're working full-time or even part-time and you're just not as, your your schedule's not as open to just sort of go as you you want, as you can. that can be a real commitment for some people and that can be a barrier for one of those things. So, you know, money and time, even just like access to it. Like, is it on a bus route? Do you have a car? Do you have the gas money to get there? How far away is it? I live out in the middle of nowhere. Like That's another good point. The transportation. Yeah. Having your car is expensive. mm -hmm. So a lot of people can't afford a car. So yeah. do they, you know, do they have that public transportation to get there? Plus yeah. like the workout gear and like the workout clothes, that stuff doesn't come with the class, but you might have to buy extra stuff for it. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot that goes into that. So, I mean, okay. So middle-class people might be able to do some of these, you know, group activities, these group workouts, upper middle-class and upper, so the upper class probably can afford and probably have the access and, and the time and the flexible scheduling, we're assuming. Um, so that's, that's probably not going to be as accessible for anyone not in those social classes and those econo- socioeconomic classes. Mm-hmm. So then it's like you said, okay, you can go run outside you can do it at home. There's like apps you can use. There's and like let's also keep in YouTube. mind that yeah. Um, sorry the um the safety piece here because mm-hmm. especially for women, like mm-hmm. women aren't 
shouldn't, shouldn't be, you know, go, if you're working late and then you're, and you want to go run, right. Go maybe run your neighborhood's not the safest. Yeah. You don't live in a gated community or you don't right. live in like, so, an, yeah. Yeah. So that leaves you to doing home workouts, you know, but then what if you have kids, you don't want to be like jumping around doing like mm-hmm. jumping jacks and burpees and stuff you just don't have like space you live on the top floor of an apartment building you you're you're you know neighbors are gonna hate you if you're doing jumping jacks at you know 10 p.m at night because you got off work and you finally got the kids to bed and that's the only time you have like it is hard it is not and it is not the easiest thing to do and it definitely one of those things that this kind of goes, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to get into like weight stigma or fat phobia or anything, but this kind of covers that when, when we talk about like, um, as far as like the, uh, advice given from health professionals and mental health professionals of like, well, if you just worked out, Mm -hmm. if you just ate better, if you ate healthier food, plan your meals, you know, get fresh, locally grown things locally sourced ethically sourced like all of this stuff like yes you would feel better that stuff's <laughs> of course expensive you would feel better yeah <laughs> but yes it's also expensive it's time consuming there are things called food deserts in the united states where people are based on where they live are not able to access typical grocery stores they may only have like convenience stores or like a dollar tree or something there's a lot of that around here where i live i live in a in a very rural community in kentucky Mm -hmm. um i've been here for like almost three years now so i'm not from here i'm used to living in a in a more of a city Mm -hmm. but moving here it was like whoa like the the nearest kroger is 30 minutes away Wow. So you can't just go to Kroger <laughs> to get, I mean, I can, I have the ability, thankfully, but not everyone can just go to Kroger to get the fresh foods that they want. There's, there's no, there's not a whole foods anywhere near me. It's like over an hour away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like <laughs> it just gets more and more difficult depending on where you live and your access. And if you have the time and the money. Yeah. And that was what the, um, eating healthy food that was, uh, that was, um, on my list of, Mm -hmm. of, um, bullet points I wanted to make sure we cover. Um, because that also has a huge impact on your mental health. If you're, you know, like sugar is, is horrible for your mental health. Yes. We were just talking about this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Eating bad this weekend and we feel bad. And it's because like what you put into your body does affect how how well your body functions and, and how you feel in your mood. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we did this to ourselves and we know we did this right. to ourselves, but some people, it's not so much a choice because. Right. Because like fast food, for example, super cheap, but yes. it is so and bad everywhere. for you. Yeah. And then the, it's, it's like the healthier it is, the more expensive it is. And oh, a lot yeah. of people want to say, you know, back to, um, what you were saying, you know, about, mm-hmm. about body shaming. Um, people want to say like, oh, well, if you are unhealthy or you're overweight or, you, you know, then it's mm-hmm. your own fault, but it's, there's so many, there's so many factors that can contribute to that. One of them right. being financial ability to buy healthy food, because mm-hmm. if you don't have the money, you don't have a choice but to buy food that's unhealthy for you. If you're always working, you don't have the time to make healthy food. Mm-hmm. You know, we just have like such busy lives. We all do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and putting, putting that time, it's almost like you have to choose between like exercise, healthy food and enough sleep. Like, like oh, who yes. can do all of those things, which all of those things might be important part in your mental yes. health. <laughs> Like we said, but like, we all need to do those things, right? Mm-hmm. We all need to sleep. We all need to eat. We all need to move. Um, but we just may not be able to do them as much or in the way, in the most optimal way. And mm-hmm. that is sometimes out of people's control. Um, 
so that is often, you know, advice that's given those sort of basic things mm-hmm. um, is, well, you know, make sure you're getting enough sleep, make sure you're getting quality sleep, which we've talked about before, but make sure you're eating healthy foods and you're eating the right foods, you know, right foods in quotation marks. Um, Cause that's, an, that's another thing. Like, is there any wrong food? I don't know. But, um, and then like, make sure you're exercising. And it's like, okay, great. Those three things. Yes. You did all of those things. You would feel better. Mm -hmm. Anyone would feel better, but you may not be able to do all of those things. Right. And that's kind of what I was saying. It goes back to like with health advice as well is like, that's what's given. A lot of doctors will tell people like, well, you need to eat better. You need to exercise. You need to lose weight. And it's all sort of placed on like your health would just, all your health issues would just go away if you just lost 20 pounds. Like, but that's not accurate. That's not even true. Mm. It may may or may not be affected by weight, but also that can't be, you know, we're not going to talk about anything else until you do these things because they may not have that ability. They may not have access to that. And so, especially if you're on like, if you're on food stamps, they, they limit what you can buy the things you can actually purchase with that. Um, and you only get so much a month. So you have to really be mindful of what you're spending mm-hmm. every month. And you're probably going to get the same go-to staples of like, I know this is cheap. This will feed my family. You know, right. this, this is going to get about a month. survival, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's about like Maslow's hierarchy, hierarchy. I was just going to go there. Yes. <laughs> if I couldn't say the word properly. Um, so I think we've, we've talked about this in a previous episode, but just to review and mm-hmm. is unfamiliar. So it's the, um, it says, it's saying that um, your basic needs need to be met first before, mm-hmm. before your like higher level needs. So um yeah. Eating, sleeping, shelter, um, you know, your base basic safety is um is at the bottom, followed by I don't even remember all of the all well, of the I got it. Levels. I I pulled it up because oh, I Oh you did, okay. Yeah, because I was gonna go over this anyway. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs is the way it's represented. And it's it's a theory, but it's I think it's a pretty good one. I think it makes a mm-hmm. lot of sense. And so you have to be mindful of it when, when you're working with clients, if you're going to be, you know, um, if you're going to work from a social justice perspective, you definitely have to be mindful mm-hmm. of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but it's a triangle. Well, it's a pyramid, you know, and um, at the bottom, the base of the pyra- pyramid, the very first thing is the physiological needs, which is food, water, warmth, rest, all those basic things that you have to do to survive. You don't do those things, you will die. Mm -hmm. Like those are needs that you just need to live. Then right above that is the safety needs. So security and safety. Um, So are are you safe? You know, you've got to be able to live somewhere where you're protected from predators. you know, so you've got to feel a, a sense of security in some way because you can't move on to any other higher needs until those basic things are met. If you don't feel safe and if your your physiological needs aren't met, you're not going to move up. And so the ones above that are like there's belongingness and love needs, but intimate relationships, friends, community. Um, and then above that is esteem needs, so prestige and feeling of accomplishment. Um, and then above that, the, the very top part of the pyramid is self-actualization, which according to you know this theory is the goal. Um, and that's achieving one's full potential. And that also includes creative activities. So mm-hmm. when you think about it from like those each sort of part of the peri- pyramid needs to be met before you can get to the other one. Right. Logical needs. Absolutely. First safety needs. Absolutely. First. And, and the top ones are mm-hmm. like sound more 
mental ish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they sound, you know, and, but, but the, like the point is that like, when you're talking about mental health, we tend to think of those top ones, self-actualization, mm -hmm. yes. esteem, belongingness, but you can't get those things if uh -huh. your basic needs and your sense of safety and security isn't there. Yeah. And, and so that's why, you know, that's why all of like mental health is so much more than, than we tend to think of it because if people don't have access to food, mm -hmm. how, like how am I supposed to help them with their depression if they don't even, if they don't right. even have food, like, right. You know, right. Um, and then you also have, you got, yeah, you look at it from, you know, context, like, is there depression and anxiety, you know, truly a disorder that, you know, some cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy can, can help them with, or is it a true, like real reaction to mm -hmm. the environment they're in? So if they're not safe, if they're if they don't have an income or if they are barely making ends meet financially if they don't have clean water if they're you know houseless and they don't have a place to yeah. stay at night like or a warm place to sleep then maybe their anxiety and depression is like not anxiety and depression yeah. it's just, you know it's not a disorder it's so a real reaction quick. we're mm -hmm. so quick to pathologize them and we're so mm -hmm. quick to say Oh, you're depressed. You're anxious. Go to therapy. That's like go mm -hmm. go get medication. Go. Those are the things that you do with yeah. your mental health is is suffering. Well, no, like we need to start saying, okay, your mental health is suffering. What are your basic needs that are right? That needs to that, that needs could to be the first thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and just then, check in. If they're uh -huh. met, great. We'll move on to the next thing. Do you feel safe where you are? You know, and that sort of needs to be the the way we ask those questions of starting with, are your basic needs met? You yeah. Know, is there anything that you need to survive? And then do you feel safe? Because like you said, we're pathologizing, unless we know those things, we're pathologizing valid you know, reactions to mm -hmm. real life situations. Like, um, so I've, I've mentioned family and children's place before where Stephanie and I used to work together. So for most of the time, there were only the only, um, clinical staff mm -hmm. were therapists, but for a short time, there was also a case manager mm -hmm. and the case manager is, um, is more responsible for helping them get resources for those basic needs so right. helping them apply to food stamps helping them look for jobs helping them find housing stuff like that and i always noticed that my clients that saw both me and the case manager did so much better mm -hmm. like their mental health was so much better once they started working with the case manager because i'm that wasn't a part of my job like my right. job was not you know my job was to give them therapy yeah but if like getting therapy when they don't have secure housing, mm -hmm. secure, you know, their fa their family doesn't feel safe and secure is yeah. only going to get you so far. It kind of seems pointless because yeah. how can you tell somebody like, oh, your thoughts are irrational. We need to change your thoughts when their thoughts aren't irrational. They are literally like, I don't feel safe at home. So I'm in fight or flight all the time, or mm -hmm. I don't have a home. so. I am constantly anxious and depressed because I have nowhere to go at night. I have nowhere to, to put my things. I have nowhere to collect things. I have nowhere to have um, any mail sent to, to apply for a job, like all of these things. No, your thoughts aren't irrational then. And yeah. so the therapy kind of does nothing at that point. You're right. It, thankfully where I work now, we have case managers and we have really good case managers too. And um, shout out to the case managers, mm -hmm. but because they're so helpful. So I helpful. Of them. They come in and I love when they come in and I'm like, I'm so glad you're here because me and the client were just talking about this. And like, 
they don't know how they're going to get groceries this month. Like, can you help with that? And they're like, we can, you know, we'll give, and it's like, oh, good. Because that just took a, a, a small little burden off their shoulder. It, we're not able to change their, you know, their, their class. We're not able to change their socioeconomic mm-hmm. position. We're not able to change the, right now, um, the system that is putting people you know, in this situation, but maybe we can get them groceries for the next month. And that's Mm -hmm. one less thing they have to worry about for that month. And, you know, hopefully the ultimate goal is that they won't need case management anymore. Um, But some people will always struggle to get their basic needs met. Until there's systemic change. I mean, like what we're talking about is more like you know, the micro social work, the working with the client one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real, like the real way to see long lasting change in people's mental and physical health is through systemic change. Yes. You know, but um, 100%. And yeah. And, and that's, a, you know, that is a whole nother topic too. But right. That's what I was going to say. I don't think <laughs> you should get into that. You but. do that a lot, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, until everyone's basic needs are met, we're not as a society, as a country going to achieve self-actualization and be all that we can be as human beings because we are too much focused on survival, even in the United States of America. And that might be weird for some people, but it's reality. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I, I get, I get kind of annoyed. Like, okay. You know, when people say, hashtag first world problems there's like yeah. you know like and it's just like meant to be like funny when you're like complaining about something trivial and then people are like haha first world problems but first world problems are not i think the saying should be like middle upper class problems you know because mm-hmm. a lot of people have <laughs> problems here that we wouldn't think they would in right nation in the world there's just no use for it honestly um yeah like wondering where you're gonna get your get your next growth get next you know Mm -hmm. groceries is ridiculous a first world problem like not having a place to live is clearly a first world problem yeah you're complaining because you know netflix is down or whatever (laughs) ha first world problems well, stop saying that because <laughs> because there are very serious problems in the first world. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, so we've got we've got a couple. Well, we've got a few minutes left. I mean, but um, there was something else that I wanted to kind of go into that also sort of the same thing. Um, so yeah, we, we talked about the, that sort of typical advice and, and there's lots of other mental health advice. And I'm sure you guys can think of tons that you've heard people say that you're like, oh my God, like whatever, you know, if I could, I would have already done it. But um, just getting therapy, let's just start there. If you're even able to get therapy yeah that was one of my points I wanted okay we're on the same thing yeah just access to care because and why is that hard don't have insurance yes and a lot of um or even those that do have insurance a lot of therapists aren't taking insurance these days because the payout from insurance companies is not a lot I know and And I'm sure a lot of therapists out there are not gonna like what I'm gonna say but I don't care I think it is very classist to not take health insurance and to not at least have a sliding scale. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sliding scale. Yes. Sliding scale. Good, but you have to have really low sliding scale for some people because we should explain what a sliding scale. Yeah. Sliding scale is when you you adjust your rate depending on income level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, if someone made twenty thousand a year they would pay like $20 a session or something, you know, it might be a little different, but that's kind of the typical um, way they do it, which is 
okay, except they may not have that $20 a week, mm-hmm. you know, um, when there's four weeks in a month and, you know, there's 12 months in a year, like it, you, you may not have that. Um, so that can be a barrier is just that a lot of therapists don't take any sort of insurance. And, and even though I think it's wrong, <laughs> it is. Yeah, but. it's wrong. And I think so. Okay. So now having been at a job where I take insurance, mm-hmm. you know, because my last job was, um, grant funded and now, um, right. Which they were not, they were not having to pay anyway. Right. Cause a grant was paying for it. That, and that was rent. amazing. Yeah. Like I was so, I was so just so happy that all these families were able to get mm-hmm. free therapy you know, if they were a victim of a crime, which was really sad, obviously, that they were a victim of a crime, but it was such a good, good thing that they were able to Right, that they didn't have to worry about the bill for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now taking insurance, insurance is a nightmare. Oh my God. Like, it is. It's it awful. Is. And I'm not saying that I, you know, I mean, I don't own the practice, so like, I don't have, I don't have an option, but, mm-hmm. um, I would still take it anyway, despite what a nightmare it is, but it just needs to not be such a nightmare. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, like the insurance companies are just like ruthless and they just make it so hard for therapists to, to get, like, I have stuff from like February that I still haven't been paid for. and. Um, you know, and so wow. it's just, and part of that is because I've been procrastinating, but part of it is because the insurance companies <laughs> are, are just so difficult to deal with. And that, and I don't want to get into that too much, but, mm-hmm. but if, if the insurance companies would just be nicer <laughs> and then the <laughs> therapist pay for things or yeah. not, not make you go through a hundred loops right? And then first the therapist, on their yes. know, panel and then to bill, and then to, why is it so, it's so complicated to bill insurance? I, yeah, I don't know. And then more therapists would be willing to take insurance and we wouldn't have this problem. And even the, sometimes I was still having to charge people like $120 out of pocket every week, even if they had insurance. Yeah. Because insurance only covered like, you know, I, so the, the full fee is 150. So insurance covered like $30. And they, right. yeah. and they only, and, and because they have a high deductible. And they have to pay, right. So sometimes or like sometimes do have insurance. Yeah. Or it only yeah. pays for so many sessions mm-hmm. or it only pays for a particular kind of, like some insurance is even like you have, it has to be a particular type of intervention. And so if you're a therapist seeing someone with that sort of insurance, like you have to make sure that you're using that intervention and you're documenting it to get paid for it. And mm-hmm. um, so it's just, which is fine. I mean, you should use evidence-based stuff and a lot of insurances pull from that. And that's why they want to see documentation of evidence-based stuff, but it's just very, they're very picky. I mean, I don't know how many times I get notes sent back to me. That's like, you need to change this because insurance won't pay for it unless that's in there. And I'm like, Oh, great you know, and it's like, I just want to do my job, <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's part of it. That's part of the job. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, but you're right. They would, therapists would, would have an easier time and they would take insurance and that would make it easier for people, mm-hmm. um, to get and insurance needs to just be better. Like yeah. there's no excuse. If you have insurance, you should not have to pay over a hundred dollars a week. And just, I mean, just the yeah. fact that so many people still don't have insurance is a problem. Right. That they're and uninsured. Again, first little yeah. problems. Yeah. Uninsured in the United States of America. Um, yeah. And so insurance is a big, and just payment in general, money is a big barrier to <laughs> getting therapy. What are some other barriers that like we've experienced from working, you know, in, in different, with different populations? Like what did think, you see as the biggest barrier? I think location, not so much mm-hmm. anymore now that, um, with telehealth, telehealth has, yeah, has, um, um, and, and I think for sure, even after the pandemic has passed, 
telehealth is still, you know, now it's like more mainstream because yes, people's only option used to it. So yeah, mm-hmm. but before it was, or even before, like it was a technology was available, and definitely before it became this common, just location. Like most of the mm-hmm. um, most therapist offices are not in low income areas. Yeah. And like we said before, a lot of low-income people don't have cars, don't have mm-hmm. access, you know, ability to to get to those places. Back mm-hmm. to the safety issue, like, the, like it's not safe as a woman to take public transportation at night. And sometimes that's the only time you can go to therapy. So mm-hmm. let's say you want to take the train and go to therapy for your six o'clock appointment mm-hmm. in the winter. Like it's, it's dark, dark and it's yeah. safe and and you're on the train for 45 plus minutes and then you're in therapy for an hour. There's a lot of time involved in that too. Just like with, we talked about with going to uh, a workout class, going to therapy is a lot of time mm-hmm. invested. You yeah. Typically an hour a week or an hour every other week, but generally no less than that because then it's just not as effective until it's maintenance. Um, Mm-hmm. which just means like you've gotten to the point where you just need sort of like irregular or maybe once a month sort of check-ins with your therapist um, because you're, you're maintaining, you're doing well. But when people typically start therapy, it's best to go, best to go once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes like I have to do every other week for people just because of that, because they don't have time and they don't have transportation or whatever. And that's like the best we can do. Cause I'm like, if you're only coming once a month, like we're not going to get anywhere quick enough um, mm-hmm. to help you. But so, so that's, I do think telehealth has helped in that way, making it easier for people. Um, even though it has its own issues, it's yeah. definitely opened up. People don't have to worry about getting rides and therapy if they have Wi-Fi, you know, Right. That, that's what I was going to say that um, even telehealth itself is, is classist, you know, because I mean, most people have a phone at least. Um, yeah. But what if you can afford to pay your phone bill? Which what if I you... have totally happened. I've had clients yeah. like, my phone is shut off and I have no Wi-Fi because they took that too, you know, especially yeah. with the pandemic. So then it's like, okay, well, and you can't come into the office. So I guess I'll just call me when your phone comes back on. I mean, you know, like, what do you do? I mean, I, I get, I send them to places that can help, you know, pay those bills, but mm-hmm. I mean, other, that's all I can do at that point. And, um, and so the, especially with this pandemic, that's happened a lot. People are getting their utilities shut off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, um, you know, I mean, therapy plus uh, medications as well, like psychiatrists, medications cost money. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may not always be covered by your insurance, which mm-hmm. happens. And then the psychiatrist has to either try to find something that is similar that your insurance will cover, or you have to just find, either go without or find a way to pay for it. I mean, it, it's awful. Some people, you know, need a certain level of medication that their insurance just won't pay for and they can't afford it. And it gets, gets expensive. I know what those, what those medications cost. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, I've, I've been uninsured before, um, in my adult life and that was really scary. Um, thankfully it was only for you know, uh, a few months. Um, I was lucky in that way, but just those few months, it was really scary. And so trying to figure out how am I going to get the medication that I take every day mm-hmm. to literally keep me alive, my antidepressant. I mean, cause this is not just, you know, these are not like supplements people are taking. These are yeah. life-saving right. medications for mental health issues. And uh, to have to worry about that every day. So th- th- Cause that's what I was going to say was getting medication. Um, 
therapy and medication together work really well and are often, you know, suggested that, that people use those together, but not mm-hmm. everyone can get meds, can get um, access to their meds, especially when I worked with um, the homeless population at the um, psychiatric hospital that I worked with. That was the biggest issue. We saw a lot of people coming back in for their psychiatric disorders because they weren't able to keep up with their medication that their physician prescribed them when they left, or they missed their, you know, monthly shot um, of medication. There's some psychiatric and substance use disorders. that can be managed with like a monthly shot. And there's a few drugs like that. And they couldn't even make those because these people did not have transportation or a place to live, or they didn't know what they were gonna be doing from day to day. And so their life was already disorganized in that way. Um, and their basic needs weren't being met. Now they're without this medication and now they are clinically disorganized in that their mental health is, their symptoms are so bad that they're not even aware of how to go about getting that help again. Mm -hmm. And so they get sent back to the hospital and then it was like, hey, why are you here again? You know, Uh, you missed your, yeah because you missed your your shot and so just little things like that could be really difficult for people and those are um those are big barriers um Mm -hmm. because if you don't have that sort of medication you may not be able to make your therapy appointments you may not be able to keep a job you may not be able to even live in a house because Mm -hmm. some psychiatric disorders get so bad um yeah like severe mental illness what we're talking about like yeah I think that's a really good point that when you said Mm life-saving like we're not we're not just talking about general like the general public mental health like people who have mild issues we're talking about people with serious mental illnesses you know I mean that cannot function yeah like at um you know, our old job, mm-hmm. there were a couple of times where my, my, the kids were having suicidal thoughts. And I, yeah. I said, you know, we might need to take them to the psychiatric hospital. And the parents will say, that's going to be so expensive. I can't yeah. do that. And it's just, oh my God. It's and so it is sad. expensive. It's so sad that yeah. this child is having suicidal thoughts and they mm-hmm. can't get help because they can't afford it. Like this is, these are serious, serious issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you worked at a hospital, you worked at a hospital. Yeah. I know how much it costs. I saw their, you know, I saw their bills and, um, and I saw how things went down on the inside and that again is another topic. Um, but I, I'm glad I worked there, even though I'm glad I left there. I'm very glad that I worked there too, because I think that was just like a sort of an invaluable experience for me um, in that I, I, I just saw a, a totally different side of things. And you think, I guess before I worked there, I thought, oh, well, yeah, if you're having suicidal ideation, like go to the hospital. Okay. They'll take, they'll keep you safe. You'll be out in 72 hours. Like it'll all be good, but it's so not that easy. and. Mm-hmm. So here's another thing, you, you know, as therapists, we, and clinicians, we, if somebody's expressing suicidal ideation, which is like where they want to die or when they have a plan and, you know, they've expressed that they want to kill themselves and things like that, um, or homicidal ideation. I saw a lot of that too, where they're expressing um, that they want to kill someone in particular, and they have a plan and they have a means and all that stuff. And that's typically, homicidal ideation is typically more with like severe mental illness, Mm -hmm. with psychiatric issues. Um, 
if someone's in psychosis, you see that a lot. They don't actually want to kill anyone. It's part of the, the illness, but they know they're aware enough to tell you like, I'm feeling this way and I'm concerned. And you're like, okay, we're going to get you help. Mm-hmm. And so you send them to the hospital and they get on a 72 hour hold most likely um, by the doctor to keep them there, which is 72 hour hold is legally um, as long as you can keep someone unless, you know, in a hospital, um, unless a judge signs off that they stay longer. So mm-hmm. typically people are there for 72 hours. Um, if they stay longer, it's a whole nother legal thing, but um, against, against their will, you know, not voluntary. Um, yeah. Which, which happens a lot, you know, cause people are like, I don't need this. I don't want to. And it's like, well, yes you do. So anyways, they're there 72 hours and they get on some medication and they get some sleep and they get some food and they start to, you know, come to their more rational state, their symptoms are subsiding. And then it's like, okay, your 72 hours are up. Like, um, who are you going to follow up with? Do you have a doctor? Do you have a prescriber? Do you have a therapist? No, go to this community mental health place. Um, yes, the wait is really long and it's going to take you like three months to get in to see a psychiatrist, but you know, Um, Don't forget to take your medicine because you need that or you will have a relapse again if you don't take your medicine. Um, You know, and it's like, oh, okay. And then they leave, (laughs) they're discharged. Mm -hmm. And then a couple months later, they get slapped with this bill. And it's just like, it's not the easiest thing in the world. It's not even moderately difficult. It's very difficult. that is a situation where someone or several people's lives are at stake um, for this person to get help. And even that access can be hard. Even getting in can be hard. You, just because you go to the hospital and say that you're having these symptoms or you're having these thoughts doesn't mean they will admit you. And that's a sad thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then that's happened before. Yeah, um, I, I know I've sent a couple clients mm-hmm. to the hospital and they were out of beds and they had to send them home and they just had to make a safety plan yeah. and said like, yeah, okay, this is how you're going to keep, keep your child safe for, you know, at a, at, you know, for 24 hours. And, right, until and we have a bed or until yeah. they no longer express, you know, suicidal ideation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the good news is, Usually, I mean, usually those sort of symptoms and those sort of thoughts and desires go away, mm-hmm. you know, it, after a couple of days. They don't sustain themselves for very long. And so that's the point of hospitalizing someone is if you can keep them safe right. for 24, 48, 72 hours, then by that time, they, that probably will go away. They won't be expressing that anymore. They'll be more rational again. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I didn't really want to kill myself, you know, but mm-hmm. that's not always possible for families to do um, for someone who is, you know, very intent on it or um, very secretive about what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. If they're an adult, it can be even harder for families. And back um, to classism where, well, I can't keep an eye on my I can't suicidal family member right because I can't take off work yeah I can't watch them you know 24 7 um I have other kids in the home that I have to watch and yeah so it these are all like just these are real life real life issues I mean we see them with the clients we work with I know other clinicians and uh other health professionals see these same things too um if you're listening, you might know someone or yourself have experienced these barriers and these issues and many, many more. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a solution. <laughs> we don't have really any tips to give you that um, 
will make it all better. Just that you do the best you can with what you have. And hopefully one day um, these things change and enough people, you know, get together and, and make them change. Yeah. Um, you know, through advocacy and through and from a systemic level so that these barriers are not there and it's much easier for people to access the mental health help mm-hmm. that they need. Um, and yeah. so, you know, even though we talked about how difficult all of this is and how it can, and how it can be classist, doesn't, please don't let this deter you from trying. I mean, um, oh, yeah. you, you know, reach out, reach out to friends and family if you can, um, reach out to your therapist if you're seeing one or your counselor or your, your, just your doctor. Um, let somebody know what you're experiencing, what symptoms you're having. Um, you know, yeah, and look online. I mean, mm-hmm. really, like. There's a suicide hotline. Yes. Well. Um, yes, the suicide. Yeah, do you want to share that? You know, 1-800-273-TALK. Yes, I think, yeah. Let me, I'll look it up just to make sure. I think that's what it is. Or just 800, not 1-800. 800 273 8255. So 800 273 talk. So they have, mm-hmm. you can call or they have that online chat. Yeah, which I think is cool that, that you can do that now. You mm-hmm. can even text some of these hotlines now, which is great. Yeah. Because like a lot of people don't want to pick up the phone anyways on a good day. And so then on their worst day, it's like, I don't want to actually talk to someone, but I want to talk to someone. So there's lots of, of ways you can do that. And um, there's a, a tons of other hotlines out there too for so many different things. Um, we'll we'll post um, a lot of these on our um, Instagram, so you guys can share them. But there's so you know for domestic violence. I got a message. Um, I got a message on on my professional Instagram from mm-hmm. someone who um, who just recently lost a friend to suicide and he started this app called abu a-a-b-b-o-o anonymous Mm. vent voice chat rooms so you just go on there and you find strangers and you just like vent to strangers that is so cool yeah Um, okay that's really good yeah 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 um yeah and there's there's lots of apps and and you know stuff online. I mean, if you can't go to therapy, but you want, you know, to learn some skills, there are people teaching some of these skills on YouTube. I would definitely be careful and do your research. You don't want to just take mental health advice from just anyone with a YouTube channel or an Instagram or a podcast. Or podcast <laughs> <I was saying. laughs> but, um, you know, do your research on them and, and always do your research, but there's lots of really great stuff out there that people are sharing for free because of how difficult it is to access some of this. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot. I mean, Facebook groups, mm -hmm. Reddit, there's a lot of, um, yeah. Threads, you know, if discord servers and threads that people use, I've, I've, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just that's all you can do is the best you can with what you have in this moment that that's all you can do and as long as you're doing your best um that's what matters and i think another big takeaway is remember that everyone is is dealing with something like there's always more to something Mm -hmm. than meets the eye you know because we do sometimes tend to be quick to judge especially you know and it's understandable like People who have always been in the middle upper class and have the, the, they've just never had to think about these things. Right. And, and, you know, people who, who don't struggle with mental illness, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so it is kind of quick to not even necessarily judge, but just ask like, well, if they're so, if they're struggling so much, why don't they just see a therapist? I don't understand. Right. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's always more, there's always something that might be going on that, that you just don't know. Mm. 
Yes, absolutely. You gotta, you've got to come with, to everyone with compassion because mm-hmm. you don't know where they're coming from. And before giving out any advice to anyone, see if they even want your advice. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's I a- mean, that's a big thing. <laughs> like, don't tell someone what they need to do to feel better, you know, unless they ask you. And typically. Or offer. Be like, can I offer it? Yeah, yeah. I have a suggestion that might help if you haven't already tried this or thought of this. You know, there's ways to do it. But generally, when people reach out to talk to you, they just want you to listen. And Mm -hmm. that's what you learn as a therapist. Yeah, that people don't want your advice anyways, as much as they want you to listen and hold that space for them, and just be present with them. Because they don't often get that in their and life. And that's something a therapist can, or anyone, but you know, just back to what we were saying that as therapists, we can only do so much if their basic needs aren't met. Mm-hmm. That's something that we can always give someone no matter yeah. what. Yeah. That space to feel heard and um, to feel heard by, you know, by someone that's not going to just give advice. Because be, being given advice that is so oversimplified and by someone mm-hmm. who doesn't know the whole story is so off-putting. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it really, yeah. it really is just sort of minimizing and it's sort of, uh, it, it's sort of, I don't know what the word, like it makes a person feel kind of lonely because it's uh, like, yeah. like they don't get me. They don't get it's what I'm validating. Yeah, invalidating. Yeah, and then they're just kind of like, oh, okay, they don't get it. I guess I can't really talk to them about this anymore because they they don't seem to understand. And mm-hmm. then it just makes them feel more alone. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And it it can be difficult because everyone has. I think most people have um, the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. They want for to sure. help, and that's the thing. You want to help, so you give it unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. But that's not always the best way to help. And right. So if you want to, this is, this is some advice we can give you, though you didn't if ask, you want it. but you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> so if you don't want to hear it, you can turn off now, but <laughs> here's some advice. If you want to help someone, but you don't know how, ask them, ask them, yes. <laughs> just say, say just that I want to help you, but I don't know how, what is the best way? that I can help you in this moment. What do you need from me right now? Yes, I get so many, I get so many, um, like questions from, from friends. mm -hmm. He'll be like, my brother, my friend, my cousin or whatever is dealing with this. How do I help? And I'm like, I can't read their mind. Ask them. (laughs) Like, why are you asking me? You know, I mean, obviously I understand why they're asking me because I'm a therapist, but everyone's different, you know, and, and what they, just being asked, what can I do to help? Even that is helpful in itself. It does. You ask me that yeah. a lot. When I, when I talk to you about stuff, you're like, mm-hmm. can I do anything to help? And I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> you, you can't, but no, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you can't because there's nothing you can do about this particular thing, but you asking and just listening and caring made me feel better. You know, even if it was for just the time we were talking, like, that goes a long way because you think, oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> you think, oh, yeah. that's sweet. You know, somebody gives a shit about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people, everyone just wants to feel like somebody gives a shit about them. And well, if you get asked that question, I think we need to, we need to wrap up. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, but we'll in here. Yeah. If you get asked what can, like if, if, if someone asks you, what can I do to help? It's okay to be honest. Like Mm -hmm. if you want to, if you say to them, I want you to tell me that, um, everything's going to be okay. And I want you to hold me and Mm -hmm. I want you to, um, play with my hair and kiss me. And you you can give them all of those, like exactly what you need. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And they can do what they feel comfortable. Yeah. (laughs) They may not want to kiss you. They may, well, I don't very know. Specific. I, I know. was thinking of like a, in a couple. Obviously. Right. <laughs> but like, um, but you're but right. Yeah, there's yeah, nothing just wrong with them. asking. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to be quote strong. Like you can say, mm-hmm. I need, I need a shoulder to cry on. I need yeah. you to 
to hug me and and I just help. want you to sit with me for a minute. Yeah. Or even practical things. So like if your basic needs are not being met and that is contributing to your mental health issues mm -hmm. and someone says, what can I do to help? Tell them what they can do. So it may not be, well, I need you to give me money, you know, but it may be, I need, I really need a ride to this doctor's appointment. I really need a ride to the grocery store. I need a break. I need some childcare. And based on your relationship with that person, you know, you should know what is appropriate to ask. But if you need that, ask the people in your life for it that you do have. That's what we should be doing for each other. Yeah. We should be caring for each other until we live in a world where everyone's basic needs are met, you know, just by default. We need to be looking out for each other in that yeah. way. Um, that sense of community goes a long way as well. So though that's our advice. Um, and <laughs> that is our podcast today about uh, mental health advice being classes and a whole lot of other things that we, yeah, we, we did too. Around a little bit, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, yes, so if you enjoy this episode, please share with friends and family. Yes. And don't forget to follow the show's Instagram for updates on new episodes and for some mental health advice at just underscore mental underscore health underscore podcast. We record a new episode every week. This is Steph. And M. signing off. Thanks for listening. Bye.